everyone. Welcome to New Point Community Church. Thanks for joining our podcast today. We pray that this series and this message inspires you to grow your faith and builds your relationship with Jesus. Enjoy today's message. Well, hey, good morning, everyone. You may be seated, and it is my privilege to be bringing you the message from the Word of God this morning. If you do not know me, uh, I am one of the pastors here at New Point. In fact, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, I was here at the Dover campus, and I was walking down the main hallway, and a couple of uh, ladies uh, came in through the, the front entrance, and they looked at me, and they very enthusiastically waved at me, and so I waved back to them, and I heard as clear as day one of the ladies say, that is Pastor Dwight. <laughs> and uh, I just waved back, uh, and so I took it as a compliment. I did, but um, if you don't know me, my name is Dan, and I am honored to be the campus pastor over the last several years at our Millersburg campus. And uh, I live in Millersburg, and Holmes County is a wonderful place to live and to, to raise a family. Uh, one drawback that we have there in Millersburg in Holmes County, we don't always have the best cell phone reception. And not long ago, I was, uh, I was at a grocery store, and uh, I was going to text my wife and just let her know that I was there, and if she needed anything, to, to let me know what to pick up. And so I, I sent the text to her, and I could look at my phone and see it, it had not gone through. And so I don't have a lot of patience, so I just called her, and uh, she said hello, and uh, I, I told her I was there at the store, asked how her day was going, told her how my day was going, and uh, what I was going to be picking up at the store. And after talking for a good two or three minutes, I noticed she wasn't saying anything back. And I looked at the phone, and it said, call dropped. And I thought, well, I don't know how long I've been talking to myself, but uh, I called her right back and said, hey, sorry about that. And she said, what? And I said, well, I'm at the store, and uh, I looked, call dropped again. So now I was getting a little frustrated and called her a third time, and it was just, what, who, what? I'm at the store, and call dropped. And so then the fourth time I called her, as soon as she said hello, I said, honey, I'm at the store, be home soon, love you, bye, and call drop, just like that. And uh, I don't know if you are like me, but there are very few things in life that are more frustrating to me than trying to talk to somebody on a phone and not being sure how strong that connection is. Today, we are starting a two-week message series called Disconnected. And we're gonna talk specifically this morning about that feeling that you have of being disconnected from God. Have you ever thought about it this way? If, if God is everywhere and he's all-knowing, all-powerful, and you can pray to God anywhere that you want to, any time of the day, why so often does he seem so disconnected? Why so often does he seem so distant and far away? Why do our prayers oftentimes feel like we're, we're, we're having a one-way conversation and we're not really sure what all God is receiving or hearing on the other end? Have you ever felt disconnected from God? I think we all have. 
One of the reasons that we, we have that feeling, uh, to be honest, is that we are disconnected from God to a large degree. We live in a world that is disconnected. Uh, everything that we see on TV that comes from Hollywood or, or, or from, from Netflix or whatever you watch, there, there's always this bias to move us away from, from believing in God, from, from knowing God, from taking the things that are uh, of God serious. Uh, what you see in the news media oftentimes Times will will be uh, kind of disrespectful or or doesn't take things of of God or or. or church very serious. Uh, most of academia in colleges and universities and even in our, our high schools are going to be very skeptical of the Word of God. And that's the world that we live in. Everything is pushing us away from having this strong connection with God. And yet in the midst of that, Every study that you'll ever see will show that at least in the United States of America, over 90% of people still believe in God. Now, now how, how do you uh, justify those two things? How can we live in a world where everything is pushing us away from being connected to God, and yet most of us still have this, this feeling, this understanding that, that God is real and that I, I have a longing to know him? Well, the Bible says it this way in the book of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter three and verse 11 says, he, God, has made everything beautiful in its time. He's also said eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Now, now in this verse right here, we, we, we really have the answer to this question. First of all, God is in complete control. He's made everything beautiful. Somehow, we, we know that. He says he set eternity inside of us. There's this desire to know him, to know why we are here. Yet in the midst of that, there are things about God that we will never be able to completely fathom or understand. And so there, there's this disconnect, but there's this longing to know the God that created us. One of my favorite uh, singers from the 1990s when I was growing up was a singer named Lenny Kravitz. And uh, Lenny kind of had his uh, own unique singing style, but his testimony is that he is a believer in Jesus Christ. And he tells the story that when he was young, when he was a little boy, he said he was not raised in church, but he knew there was a God, just didn't know who God was. But he knew he was there. And he had this desire, he said, to know who had created him, why he was here. And as a young boy, he fell ill and went to the hospital for an extended period of time. And in that hospital room, his roommate was another young boy. And he said that that roommate began talking to him and telling him about this person named Jesus Christ. And he says it was as if the Spirit of God came upon him in that hospital room and he was able to make that connection and to say, this Jesus is the God that created me. This Jesus is the, the God that I want to know. And he says he gave his life to Jesus Christ right there in that hospital bed. Now, if you're a believer in Christ this morning, you have a similar story. That somewhere along the way, you were looking, you were searching for God, and, and you realized that Jesus Christ was this God, this Savior that you were looking for. And if you're here this morning and you don't have that story, you're in the right place. And it's our hope and prayer that you will leave here today having made that connection to Jesus Christ. But all of us have that longing to know 
God. Romans 1 verse 20 says it this way. It says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen so that we are without excuse, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse, meaning, meaning that's there. It's inside of us. There, there is that longing to know the God that has created us. We cannot deny that. We cannot get away from that. So if that is true this morning, then why is it that most everybody that's listening to this message this morning would say, Dan, there are times, and maybe this morning, where you feel very disconnected from God. Well, we're gonna take a look at a passage in the epistle of James this morning and walk through how we can keep that connection to God strong. And kind of like with the cell phone, we're gonna look at seven points or seven coverage bars. Uh, it may be a great way to understand it. You don't have to have all of those bars for you to have a good connection. If you've got five or six out of the seven, you've got a good connection. But if you've only got one or two, you're gonna be struggling with that connection. And I wanna look at the seven different keys that James gives to each and every one of us as to how we can have a strong connection with God. James chapter five, and beginning in verse 13, the author writes it this way. He says, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call on the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. And the Lord will raise him up. And if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Verse 17, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And again, he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. So the first thing that we see in this passage to how to have a strong connection with God is that we, we've got to be honest with God, honesty with God. That's being transparent. That, that's just simply being real with, with, with what's going on in your life. James 5.13 again says it this way, if anyone among you is in trouble, let them pray. And, and James is just saying, let's just be honest. We have a lot of bad days. And if you are struggling, if you are frustrated, just be honest with God. Just tell God, God, I, I, I don't think this is fair, what's going on in my life. God, I, I'm angry. God, I'm hurt. God, I'm wounded. God, I am jealous as to what's going on in that person's life. God, I do not understand where you are. James says, if you're in trouble this morning, just be honest with God. Now, the, the value to being honest with God, if, if God knows everything anyway, why do I need to be honest with him? Here it is. It's because it forces me to recognize when I'm in trouble, I need help. And if I turn to God and I'm honest to God about the help that I need, now the resources of an almighty God, all-powerful God, the resources of heaven are now available to me. So when was the last time you were honest with God uh, about how upset you were about your, your lot in life right now? James says, just be honest. It does not do any good to be fake or to pretend with God. He knows what's going on. So before anything else, if I'm gonna have a real genuine connection with God, I've gotta be honest with him. I can't be fake. In fact, there's no greater sign of a shallow fake relationship than someone that can't be honest with you, right? If I see you after church and I say to you, hey, how are you doing? 
And you say, hey, I, I, I'm good. And I say, really? Didn't I just see on Facebook that you had to put your dog down yesterday? No, 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 I'm, I'm good. Really, didn't my wife say that, that uh, your wife filed for divorce last week? No, 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 I'm good. Didn't I see in the news that uh, you're being investigated for, for tax fraud? Uh, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good. The, the, no, you're not good. You're just not being honest with me, right? And James says, if I'm gonna have a real relationship with God before anything else, I've just gotta be real. I've gotta be transparent with him. If you're in trouble, he says, pray. And then he flips it and he says, now sometimes things are going well in your life. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. So I've gotta be able to do both of those things when things are not good. I've gotta say, God, uh, my, my life stinks right now. Uh, the kids are driving me crazy. My marriage feels loveless right now. Uh, God, I, I, I hate my job. I hate my boss. I've got to be honest with him when I'm in trouble. But then when things are going well, I'm walking down the street and the sun is shining, the flowers are blooming. Then he says, remember that and praise God. One of my favorite pastors, Pastor Nicky Gummel, says it this way. He says, the Christian life is always one of two places. It's either battle or blessing. Battle or blessing, battle or blessing. That's the Christian life, and it will always be that way. If you're in the midst of the battle right now, it feels like that battle will never end. Don't worry, the blessing is coming. And when you're in the blessing, you can forget that, that this is not always the way the Christian life goes, and the battle is coming. God's gonna test you, he's gonna stretch you, and, and as long as I understand both of those things will be true in my life until I get to heaven, then I can just be honest with God. My situation can match my reality with God. And James gives us a great illustration of the prophet Elijah in this story in, in James chapter five. And Elijah, he says, uh, was one who, who was able to pray down uh, rain from heaven. And then he prayed that it wouldn't rain and it didn't rain. And you might look at that and say, well, yeah, if I could do that, if my prayers were that powerful, I'd have no problem having a connection with God. And yet James says the point of that is to tell us Elijah was not some special prophet. He says he was a man just like you and I. In 1 Kings chapter 18, if you know the story, Elijah has this, this standoff with the prophets of Baal. And he is challenging these false prophets to, to call down fire from heaven. And they're unable to do that because their God is not real. And Elijah is so confident and so bold that he's actually mocking the prophets of Baal. He says, maybe your God's asleep. Maybe your God took a, a restroom break right now. And then when it's time for Elijah, he, he saturates the altar with water and boldly calls down fire from heaven. And the Old Testament says he slays 450 prophets of Baal. You talk about a connection with God. That was a blessing. But the battle came the next day. Chapter 19 says that Queen Jezebel is now on the hunt for Elijah. And this is his reaction to that in verse four. It says, Elijah went on a day's journey into the wilderness and he came to a broom bush and he sat down under it and he prayed that he might die. And he said, I have had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Now, have you ever felt like that? Elijah said, I just want to quit. I want to give up. God, why would you bless me and use me in such a dramatic way yesterday only for me to be hunted down and lose my life today? If that's how you're going to be, God, then I just want to quit. I just want to die. Elijah was in a tough place. And then verse 10, he says this. He says, 
I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me. And so now he exaggerates his position. But the beauty of this is Elijah is just honest with God. Things are going good. He has complete confidence. Things are going bad. Suddenly his faith begins to waver and he says, God, God, where are you? And God responds to him in his honesty. And he's there alone in a cave. He's wishing he would die. And the Bible says that God feeds him. God provides for him. God speaks to him, not in a hurricane or or in a, a burning bush, but in a gentle whisper. And he reminds Elijah that God is still in charge. He sends him a helper in Elisha. And then God gives him an, oh, by the way, you feel like you're all alone, but there's actually 7,000 in Israel that have not bowed the knee to Baal. Have you ever felt like that? Felt like you wanted to quit? Felt like you were ready to die? God, I'm all alone. Just be honest with God. God will respond to you in that same comforting, gentle whisper. Number one is honesty. Number two this morning is I've got to have humility if I'm going to have a strong connection with God. I've got to respond to God in a spirit of humility, recognizing when I drift away from that, I have the wrong perspective of who God is. James 5 verse 15 says, the prayer offered in faith, if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Meaning humility will always lead me to a place of repentance. Humility, the opposite of that is always going to be pride. Pride leads me to sin. Any sin that you and I struggle with always originates from pride. Humility causes me to see that pride, to see that sin as God sees that. That's what repentance is. It's just simply agreeing with God. It's going from being what James calls the double-minded man to the person that is humble, he's confessed, he's repent, he's now united with God. He sees his sin as God sees that. That's the humble person. James says that person will be forgiven humility. I've got to be honest with God. And then I've got to humble myself to a place where, where if I've severed that relationship with sin and pride, I'm quick to, to respond in a spirit of repentance and co- co- confession. And for those of us that have sinned greatly and repented from that, you know that just like a broken bone will heal and be stronger after that healing, the same thing is true after a season of confession and repentance that you can come back after a great sin and actually have a deeper walk with the Lord, actually be more sensitive to the Holy Spirit, see the power of God greater in your life, but that only comes through humility in your life. Honesty, humility. Number three this morning that James gives to us is fervency, fervency. What does it mean to be fervent? Fervent is the the heating of metals to a point where where that metal glows. In James 5, 16, it says this. It says, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. We are here in the first week of February, and I wonder how many of you made New Year's resolutions uh, to maybe lose weight and go to the gym. They say this is really the time that, that uh, most people uh, go to the gym. And uh, last year, uh, uh, last summer, um, we had a new gym that opened up in Millersburg. 
And it was run by uh, some guys that are involved with uh, mixed martial arts. And one of the guys goes to our, our church, our campus there in Millersburg. And he had encouraged me to come to the gym. And he was like, Dan, you need to join us at the gym. Gee, he was a little more like, Dan, you really need to join us uh, at the gym. And uh, I did the thing that pastors do and would say to him, uh, his name was Micah. I'd say, yeah, one of these days I'm going to come to the gym. I will. And he stayed uh, after me and he'd text me, hey, it's Thursday night. You going to come tonight? And I'd text back, hey, I'm, I'm reading my Bible and praying tonight. I, I won't be able to be there. And uh, he, he stayed after me for quite a while. And then one day I came to church and his 10-year-old son just boldly said to me, he said, are you gonna go to the gym this week or are you gonna wuss out again? And there was just something about the way that 10-year-old boy challenged me that I said, I'm gonna come this week. And so I showed up uh, Thursday night uh, to, to the gym and it was, it was jujitsu for beginners. And uh, I told Micah I was there and he was excited to have me and he had us all line up. And I noticed the first problem was I was easily twice the age of everybody else that was in that class. Uh, everybody else had on like these geese and I don't know what I was wearing, a dress shirt and khakis or something. And uh, I, I, was, I was ready to go. And Micah said, we're gonna start with, uh, with, with uh, warm-ups before we actually get into the, the jujitsu. And I thought, good, beginners, right? And he said, uh, pick up the jump rope. And he said, for the next minute, just jump rope. That's all I want you to do. And I thought, piece of cake. I know how to jump rope. So I began jumping rope. And uh, he had a clock right behind him, a digital clock. You could kind of keep track. He said, do this for one minute. And I started jumping rope. And I noticed about 15 seconds in, that one minute of jumping rope was actually far more difficult than, than I had thought it would be. And then after about 30 seconds, I thought to myself, well, that clock's got to be broke. It's not even moving. Uh, uh, th th this is uh, a lot harder than I thought. And uh, finished the minute, got through with that, and thought, what's next? And he said, all right, everybody on the ground, give me one minute of push-ups. And I thought, well, I can do push-ups, no problem. And uh, same thing, about 15 seconds in, I thought, wow. Uh, started looking at the clock, and Micah's yelling at me, Dan, put your head down, do your push-ups. And I'm putting my head down, doing them, and, and I began negotiating, do I go slow? I have to do less push-ups, but slow push-ups are more painful than fast ones. And uh, we got done with that, stood up, and I thought, okay, what's next? And he said, another minute of jump rope. And I began doing that, and all of a sudden, I was literally just stepping uh, over the, the jump rope as I was doing that. Then we did another minute of push-ups, and then another minute of jump rope, and we did this for 30 minutes. I had to take numerous breaks during this time and, uh, and sit out, and I was sweating so hard that uh, all my shirt and my shorts and my, my shoes were, were completely soaked from head to toe. And uh, when we finished the, the, the warm-ups, we began actually uh, wrestling and, and uh, grappling with each other. And I just remember leaning over this young man. And as I, as I was leaning over him, it was like a faucet was pouring <laughs> off of my head onto his face. And he's dodging me. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. And uh, we did this for one hour. And at the end of the hour, Micah said, all right. He said, good news. We have the gym for another half hour. Anybody wants to stay, uh, I'll teach you some more moves. Every single person stayed except for me. And I, 
walked out that door completely soaked in sweat and said, I am never coming back here. And now when Micah challenges me to come, I have absolutely no interest in going back there to that gym. Now, now I had absolutely no passion behind that, no fervency. And for, for many of us, myself included, so many times, that's the way I approach my, my walk with the Lord. God, I'm on fire this year. I, I, I'm, I'm giving up all of my temptations and my sins, and I'm going to read 10 chapters of the Bible every day, and I'm going to pray for two hours every morning, and, and that lasts uh, about a day. And then I realized I was only doing it out of guilt. I was only doing it because I felt bad. I wasn't passionate about it. There was no fervency there. I want to ask you this morning, how is your connection with God when it comes to fervency? Is it something that is serious to you that you recognize that if your prayers are powerful and you're really calling down from an almighty God, then that should be something that you take serious. It should be a high priority in your life. James says the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Number four this morning is responsibility. If you're a note taker, jot that that down. There is actually responsibility when it comes to my prayer and my relationship, my connection with God. So I pray as if everything depends on God. But here's what God asks of me. James chapter five, verse 14. He says, is anyone among you sick? Let them call on the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. So if I'm, I'm praying for someone to, to get well, I can't heal them myself. That's on God. So I pray to him recognizing this is on you, Lord. My faith is in you. But God says, as I anoint that person with oil, there's an act of faith there that God sees and recognizes. James says that the faith without works is not real faith. And so my faith, my prayer always should be accompanied by a lifestyle that is living out what I claim to believe. Now, is that true of you? As you sing praises this morning in church, as you pray to God at night, does your lifestyle match the faith that you claim to ha have? James says God sees that. And one is real faith and one is not faith. So I, I can pray to God to bless me financially, but, but am I tithing? Am I, am I being generous? Am I giving to other people? Am I being a good steward? That's what God is looking for as I pray for him to bless me. I can pray for a miracle in my life, but am I allowing God to use me to be the hands and feet of Jesus to be a miracle to other people in my life? I can pray for my cousin to get saved and come to know Christ, but am I sharing my faith with others? Am I inviting people to church to come and to hear the gospel? is my lifestyle backing up the faith that I claim to have. First Kings chapter 19, going back to that story, verse seven. It says, the angel of the Lord came again a second time and he touched Elijah and said, arise, eat, the journey is too great for you. Meaning you, you, you're done praying, it's now time to get moving. For some of us, that's what we need to do. We need to make sure that our, our behavior matches the, the faith that we have in our prayers. Number five, and this one is so crucial, and that is eternity, eternity. Recognizing that as I am praying, everything in this life is actually just a setup for eternity. And I've got to see that. If, if all of my prayers are only for what I'm facing today, what I'm going through, the, the frustrations, the pain of this life, then I am going to be crushed when things don't go my way. 
And when God doesn't answer the prayer exactly the way I thought that he would, I'm gonna turn to him and say, God, where are you? Where's my connection with you, God? God, uh, uh, hello, are you even hearing me? I'm not gonna be able to handle having a crisis of faith if all I'm worried about is today. James says we have to have any a perspective of eternity. James 5, verse 15, he says, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Meaning there is a day coming when all of our prayers will be answered. There is a day coming for the believer that you will be healed. There's a resurrection coming when my soul and my spirit will be united with Christ in glory. And that is how I pray with an eternal perspective, not just praying that God answers my prayers today, but recognizing that he's got a plan and a purpose for me for all of eternity. And it's through that I can handle the disappointments and the letdowns of life when God doesn't act the way that I think that he should. The picture on the screen is a lady named Louisa Stead. And she was a hymn writer from years ago. She was born in 1850, died in 1917. And she's originally from Dover, England. But she came to the United States at a young age and grew up in Southwest Ohio. And she married and had a, a, a young daughter and their plan for their family was that they were gonna go to Africa as missionaries. But one summer, her and her husband and her little girl were vacationing in Long Island, New York, and they were on the beach. And they saw out in the distance of the ocean, a little boy was drowning. And her husband did the right thing. He swam out there to rescue that little boy. But tragically, both her husband and that little boy drowned in that incident. And out of that, she wrote the words to the hymn that many of us know, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus.'" And she wrote, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus and to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise and to know, thus saith the Lord, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him o'er and o'er, Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. I can handle the setbacks in this life when I trust that Jesus has an eternal future for me. My connection to God has to recognize eternity. Number six this morning is I have to have consistency. I have to have consistency uh, in my, my relationship with God, in my prayer life, in my devotions. In other words, all of us are gonna get to a point where we wanna quit where it doesn't seem like that connection is strong. Uh, John the Baptist was there. The apostle Paul was there. Peter was there. Abraham was, was there. Elijah was there. In fact, James 5 verse 17 through 18 says, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. That could be you this morning. You might be getting frustrated and you don't wanna keep praying and you might be as Elijah right at the end of that three and a half years and God is ready to pour down the blessings of heaven upon you. Don't quit, keep praying. I've gotta have consistency in that connection. And then finally this morning, number seven is community. We're gonna talk more about this next week, being disconnected from others and the importance of having community in my life. But simply put, I've got to have to have a strong connection with God, I've gotta have a strong connection with others, those that go to church with me, those that have the same faith that I have, I've gotta have that to sharpen me. James says, 
chapter 5, verse 16, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Do you have those relationships in your lives? Next week, we're gonna launch our small groups. Are you in a group where you can share your, your faith and, and your prayer requests and your tough times and you can be honest with others with what you are going through? Do you have those connections? Strengthens your connection with God. Parents, do you have your, your kids uh, involved in our kids' ministry, in our student ministry, so that they can get to know other people that have the same faith that they have? We've got registrations open now for camp. There's no better way for kids and high schoolers and middle schoolers to connect with other believers in a, in a condensed uh, spiritual atmosphere than a place like camp. And I encourage you, make those connections, young people. You've got to have those for your connection with God to remain strong. Earlier this week, uh, I'd come home from work and my wife told me, she said, I, I think I've lost my contact lens. And she said, would you mind taking the sink apart and looking, maybe it's stuck in that trap there. And so I did, it was easy to take the sink apart, uh, much harder to put it back together. But I couldn't find the, the contact lens and I told her, honey, I'm sorry. I, and we looked everywhere. We looked on the floor. We looked in the bathroom. And she said, wow, what did I do with that? She said, I've never lost a contact lens like that before. And so she ordered new contact lenses online. She wore glasses for a couple days this week. And yesterday she told me, she said, I found my contact lens. I said, you did? I said, where was it? She said, it was in my eye the whole time. And I said, how, how, how could, okay, all right, uh, um, we'll, we'll go with that. And she said, it was in my eye the whole time and I, and, I, and I couldn't find it. And there are those of us today, many of us, and we are looking, we are searching, we are seeking after God. And we're here in church today saying, I don't feel that connection. Where is he? And just like Elijah was told in that cave, God is there with you right now. He's much closer than you think. And he's been there the whole time. And I want to encourage you this morning to just take a moment. We could have every head bowed and every eye closed. And you make your connection with God this morning. Maybe you have kind of grown accustomed to having a poor connection. And, and sometimes you feel like your prayers go through. Sometimes they don't. Just take a moment this morning and allow God to speak to you in that gentle whisper. Be honest with him. Be humble before him. Tell God, I, I want to have that fervent, passionate relationship with you. And if you're here this morning, maybe you're, you're, you're kind of like Lenny Kravitz and, and you, you know there's a God. You can't deny that, but you've never been introduced to him. And if that's you this morning, I want to give you the opportunity to simply cry out to Jesus and to say, Jesus, I believe this morning that you are the son of God. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I'm asking you to come into my life, be my Lord and my Savior today and for all eternity. God, I pray for our church. I pray for all six campuses this morning. God, that we would be a people that are passionate and that are fervent about our connection with you. And that we would recognize you don't just use people like Elijah thousands of years ago, but God, that, that you want to use us today here in Ohio in 2023 to do great, incredible things for you. God, strengthen our connection with you. May it be strong. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Thank you for joining us today. If you want to know more about us, please visit our website at newpoint.org. There you'll find past messages, parent resources, times and locations to all of our physical campuses, or you could just download our app at newpoint.org app. There you can find all those same resources just in a mobile version. We want to say thank you again for joining us, and we'll see you next time.